Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, I tell the story of Danette and Jeanette Millbrook, 15-year-old twins who vanished on March 18, 1990, in Augusta, Georgia. The day the girls went missing, they had left home to borrow money from their godfather. Later that day, they were seen at a gas station buying snacks. But when they left, no one ever saw Danette or Jeanette again. When their mother reported them missing, police treated them like runaways, and no real investigation ever took place. A year later, the case was closed. Now, nearly 33 years after the Millbrook twins vanished, they are still missing. No one has ever been held responsible, and their family still wants to know where they went March 18, 1990. What really happened to the Millbrook twins? This is Danette and Jeanette's story. Today's episode is a milestone for Black Girl Gone. It's our 100th episode, which is unbelievable. It's also bittersweet because although I am proud of the work that the show has done over the past almost two years, It's sad that there have been a hundred different stories involving the tragic murder or disappearances of women who deserved so much more than they got. I never thought that we would make it to a hundred episodes, but I'm glad that we have, through this show, been able to bring attention to these stories and the issues that often affect the outcomes of these cases and the attention that they receive from both law enforcement and the media. Black Girl Gone will continue to tell these stories. We have no plans of stopping because 
the work is far from done. However, as we move into another year and the next 100 episodes, I want to begin to open up this platform to include stories of teenagers like Danette and Jeanette Milbrook, whose story we are covering today. Even though this particular story has gotten more attention than most, it took decades for that to happen. And their story is just one of countless others. Black teenage girls are far more likely to be classified as runaways when they go missing. And their stories, despite them being essentially children, they still don't get the attention or care that they deserve. For the 100th episode, I decided to tell the story of the Millbrook twins because it has been one of the most highly requested cases. And after almost 33 years, their disappearance has never been solved. In recent years, the story of the twins' disappearance has gotten much more attention, thanks to the Fall Line podcast, who began to investigate the twins' disappearance in 2017. Interest in the case began to grow. But two years later, Oxygen released a two-hour documentary about the case. But still, it remains unsolved, and the Millbrook twins have never been found. However, this case does show the power that the true crime community has in bringing stories into the mainstream and to the public. If it wasn't for podcasts like The Fall Line, we still might not know these girls' story. Danette and Jeanette were born on April 2nd, 1974 in Augusta, Georgia, where they grew up in a large, tight-knit family, and they had eight siblings in total. The twins were kind of in the middle. They also grew up with a really large extended family, and they all spent a lot of time together. They were raised by their mother, Mary Sturgis, but the twins didn't have much of a relationship with their father, according to reports. As children, the girls had a reputation of being quiet and shy. When the podcast Unresolved spoke to Mary, she described the girls as being homebodies who preferred to stay home and watch TV. As a mom of twins, I know firsthand how much they can fall into their own little world. I mean, even if you have other siblings, the bond between twins is often unique, and so the girls probably just preferred to be with each other. However, they were well-known in the community, and people said that they were nice girls. Like most twins, even though they were close, they did have very different personalities, with Danette being the one who was more outgoing, while Jeanette was more passive. Danette was more likely to speak up for herself, and she would often find herself defending her sister. Jeanette had been having some trouble academically, and so she ended up having to repeat a grade and attend a different school from Danette for a while, and so she had to take a different bus. And some girls in the neighborhood used that as an opportunity to bully Jeanette, who was by herself. But when Danette found out, she confronted the bullies, and a fight broke out. After that, no one bothered Jeanette again. The girls, by all accounts, were just normal kids who grew into normal teenagers who never gave their mom any trouble. In late 1989, early 1990, Mary, the twins' mother, moved the family to a new apartment on a street called Cooney Circle. According to the fall line, the apartment was located in a different neighborhood than where the girls had mostly grown up, and so this was an adjustment for them, and they were having to get used to their new neighborhood. They had friends in their old neighborhood known as Jennings Homes, but there on Cooney Circle, they didn't really know anyone. 
By this time, the girls were in high school and attended Lucy Laney High School in Augusta. And when they lived in Jennings Holmes neighborhood, they would take the school bus to and from school. But now with the move, they were forced to take public transportation because the school buses didn't come to their new neighborhood, which was another huge adjustment for the girls. Mary, their mom, didn't have a car, and so driving the girls to school, unfortunately, was not an option. And so not only did Danette and Jeanette have to get used to their new surroundings, they also had to navigate getting back and forth to school, and it was going to cost them money since the bus isn't free. Now, Mary did plan for the girls to change schools at the end of the year, but since they had moved in the middle of the school year, the girls wanted to finish out their year at Laney. On Sunday, March 18th, 1990, Mary took the family to church like she did every Sunday. After church, according to the fall line, the pastor at the church had given Mary a few dollars so that she could buy the kids something to eat after church. Once they got back home, they all decided that they would get chicken. And so Danette and Jeanette decided that they would walk to Church's Chicken, which was located not far from where they lived. The girls left their apartment and walked to the restaurant, got their food, and then came back home. But when they got back to the apartment, the girls told their mom that someone in a white van had been following them. But it's not clear what else they said about the van, and it seems like Mary really didn't think much of it. Now, after lunch, the girls needed to figure out how they were going to get to school that week since they were out of money and needed bus fare. Mary suggested that they call their godfather, Ted, and ask him if he could lend them the money. And so the girls called Ted and asked them for the bus fare, and he agreed that he would give them $20, which was more than enough money for both girls to travel to and from school all week. Ted, however, lived closer to where they used to live, and so the girls would have to go and get the money, meaning they would have to walk. Before leaving, the girls decided that they would change. Danette took off her church clothes, and Jeanette just decided to change into her sneakers. At around 3 p.m., the girls left their apartment again to head to Ted's house. Shantae, their younger sister, who was 12 at the time, said that she really wanted to go with her sisters, but they told her that she couldn't go. Now, the age difference between the girls was only three years, but at 15, I'm sure they didn't want to be responsible for bringing their little sister with them. But nonetheless, the girls walked to Ted's house, and According to reporting by WRDW-12, the walk to their old neighborhood was about 40 minutes. Now, once they got to Ted's house, they stayed and visited for a little while, and then they left. He assumed that they were going home, but since they were back in their old neighborhood and didn't have to be back home until 7, the girls decided to go and visit their cousin Juanita, who lived about a block away from Ted. According to Juanita, the girls came over and visited with her for a little while and then asked her if she wanted to come back to their house and spend the night. But Juanita said that her mom didn't want her to go because it was getting late and she didn't want her walking around in the dark. And so the girls left Juanita's home alone. Next, they decided that they would visit one of their older sisters who had lived nearby. She had also just had a baby, and so 
Danette and Jeanette decided that they were going to stop by there. According to their sister, the girls asked her if she would walk them back home. But after having just given birth, she wasn't really in a condition to walk that distance. And so the girls left their sister's house alone. Now, before heading back home, the girls decided that they would stop at a local gas station to grab some snacks. It was a place that they frequented often when they lived close by, and since their godfather had given them the extra money, they decided to grab themselves some treats before going back home. The clerk at the gas station, which was called the Pump and Save at the time, knew Danette and Jeanette and recalled them coming into the store that evening before the sun went down. She said that they brought some chips and some sodas and then they left. The clerk said that she saw the girls standing in the parking lot, but she didn't see which direction they went. And it was the last time that anyone ever saw Danette or Jeanette again. The girls were supposed to be home by 7 p.m. And so when that time came and went and the girls weren't back, Mary immediately began to worry because Danette and Jeanette always came back home when they were supposed to. And so when they were late, she knew something had to be wrong. The girls were only 15 years old, and so Mary didn't hesitate. She called the police. Now, the neighborhood that they lived in was not the safest neighborhood, and so Mary was right to be worried about her daughters. She said that she only felt comfortable allowing the girls to go out because they were together, and, and they were always expected to be home by dinner. Mary ended up calling the Augusta police that evening to report the girls missing. However, the police refused to take the report. They told her that despite the girls being underage, that she would have to wait 24 hours before she could report them missing. Now, left with no other choice, Mary, along with her daughter Shantae, went looking for Danette and Jeanette. They walked the route that they would have taken and looked around the area that they had last been seen in, but found nothing. There was no sign of the girls anywhere. And since they left the gas station, no one had reported seeing them. Mary went back home after her search to wait, hoping that the girls would just come home. Maybe they had lost track of time and would show up, but they didn't. The next day, Monday, March 19th, after the girls still had not come home, Mary called the police again to file the report. The family hoped, of course, that with the police involved, it would only be a matter of time before they found Danette and Jeanette. But from the beginning, it was clear that police were not taking the disappearance of the girls seriously. And their lack of an investigation from the beginning would cause this family to lose so much more. There's no one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to hair care. And that's because your hair and your hair goals are completely unique. For me, one of my biggest goals is to increase my moisture and volume. And thanks to my personalized pros routine, I can honestly say that I've never been more in love with my hair. Pros makes custom hair care that's effective because it's personal, using natural ingredients with proven results. Pros customizes every product in your routine 
from shampoo to supplements. First, Pro starts by asking about my hair goals, like whether I want more volume or whether I want less dryness or less breakage. Their in-depth consultation also asks about you as a person. Pros ask me really unexpected things like my zip code and what some of my routines are. Next, Pros analyzed all my answers and then handpicked clean ingredients to help me reach my hair goals. Ever since I started using Pros, I've noticed a big difference. My hair is definitely shinier and there's a lot less breakage. As a carbon-neutral, certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon-neutral. If you're not 100% positive Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the key to achieving all your hair goals this year. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash girl gone. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash girl gone for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. On March 18, 1990, 15-year-old Danette and Jeanette Millbrook left their home in Augusta, Georgia to walk to their godfather's house. After collecting some money from him and visiting a few people, the girls stopped at a gas station to buy some snacks. When they left, it was the last time that anyone ever saw them again. When their family reported them missing, police made it clear this case was not a priority. When Mary reported her daughter's missing to police, even though they had made her wait 24 hours, I'm sure that she thought that once they were involved, that they would be able to help her find her daughters. But from the very beginning, police were unconcerned about the girls and had decided early that they had run away. It didn't seem to matter what their mom said or what people who knew them said. Police had convinced themselves that these two young Black girls were runaways because of the neighborhood that they lived in and the color of their skin. And with that ideology, the case was doomed from the start. Now, police did eventually speak to Ted, the girl's godfather, in order to confirm their whereabouts. And they also spoke to the gas station clerk. But that was about it, according to the Fall Line podcast. They never spoke to the girl's cousin Juanita or their sister that they visited that day. They also never really conducted any searches for the girls. There were no canvases, no witness interviews, nothing. Police had decided that Danette and Jeanette weren't missing. They were runaways, and 
Therefore, they weren't going to dedicate their time and energy into finding some runaways. But had there been a real investigation, the police would have learned that Danette and Jeanette were not the kind of girls that would run away. The people that knew them all said the same thing about them. They were quiet, nice girls who didn't get into trouble. So why would they run away? And with less than $20 between them, it didn't seem like they could even get very far. Police, however, did not take these things into account. And instead, they began to attempt to find reasons why the girls were in fact runaways. Now, one of the theories was that one of the twins had gotten pregnant and then they both decided to leave to start new lives. The police had drawn that conclusion after speaking to some of the girls' classmates, but no one who was actually friends with them confirmed that information. It's also not clear if anyone ever told them this directly or if they just made these assumptions about the girls. Now, not long after the police report was filed, the case was given over to a juvenile investigator, but he also concluded that the girls were runaways and provided no proof and proved to be no help. Mary and her family did everything they could to look for Danette and Jeanette and bring attention to their case. They reached out to the local media, but they were uninterested in covering the girl's story. The fact that the police were not taking their disappearance seriously didn't help. Mary was able to get some help from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, who helped create flyers for the family to pass out around the community. But months went by, and the family heard nothing. Police did not keep in contact with the family, and so there were no updates. And no one in the local or national news ever picked up the story about the missing twins. The only people that cared that the girls were missing was their family. On April 8th, 1991, over a year after the girls went missing, and a few days after what would have been their 17th birthday, police came and visited Mary to give her some news regarding the girls' case. Now, after very little investigation, they informed her that they were closing Danette and Jeanette's case. The reason? Well, now that the girls were 17, they could no longer be forced to return home. They had long believed that the girls had just run away, and so now they could stop pretending to look for them. The police had reached what is known as the age of majority, which is the age at which a person is legally considered an adult and is no longer subject to the authority of their parents or guardians. As such, the police no longer had the authority to force the girls to return home, and so they decided to close the case. But this decision was made despite the lack of any proof that the girls had, in fact, run away from home. But for the girls' family, they had hit a dead end. If police were not going to investigate it and no one in the media would talk about it, then how would they ever get answers? And how would they ever find out what happened to Danette and Jeanette? For years, the story about what happened to the Millbrook twins was unknown. There were no articles, no searches, no real information at all. Three years after the disappearance of the twins, 
The case was removed from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's database. And when their family found out and contacted them to find out why, the center said that the local police had called them and told them that the girls had been found. Which, of course, was not true. The girls have never been found. And the family was shocked to find out that someone would contact them and tell them that. And so the family decided that they would contact the local police who had, at that point, merged with the Richmond County Sheriff. And they wanted to see if they could get any information and find out why someone from their department would say that their daughters were found. And when they called, as always, the police didn't have any information for the family. However, they did say that their database also showed that the girls had been found. I mean, at that point, it was no wonder no one was still looking for Danette and Jeanette because there was no record that they were even still missing. When it came to this case, there were so many rumors and so much false information that it was difficult for her family to even piece together what was real and what was made up. But one thing was clear. The twins were still missing. The years would continue to go by with very little information about the Millbrook twins' disappearance. Their family did whatever they could to find out information about the case and to try to get attention to the girl's disappearance. But no one was interested in telling this story. No one seemed interested in getting to the bottom of this mystery. And it stayed that way for years. The case was complicated and had few leads. And so it was difficult to track down the twins' whereabouts. There was also that lack of media attention. And there were limited resources available to the family. As a result, they struggled to get the word out. And at times, it seemed that this case would never be solved. In 2013, 23 years after Danette and Jeanette went missing, the Richmond County Sheriff announced that they were reopening the case. Shantae for years had been calling the sheriff, begging them to reopen the case and find her sisters. And after years of her pleas falling on deaf ears, the case was finally reopened. The sheriff said, quote, we think a terrible injustice has been done for the last 20 years. And he vowed that they would make it right by looking into what actually happened to Danette and Jeanette. In August 2013, the sheriff spoke to the Huffington Post and revealed that when they went to look at the case file from 1990, it was gone. And he wasn't sure what happened to it. When he was asked about the removal of the names from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's database, he said that it is standard procedure for the person who removes a name from the system to give a reason why. But in this case, no explanation was given. For the twins' family, the reopening of the case gave them a hope that they hadn't had in over 20 years. They thought that their prayers had finally been answered and they were going to find out answers about what happened to Danette and Jeanette. But they were wrong. After police announced the reopening of the case, the twins' family stopped hearing from police, and they would not return their phone calls. And once again, 
the family's hopes were completely shattered, and they were right back to where they started. But in 2017, the Fall Line podcast decided that they would dedicate their first season of their show to the disappearance. And for the first time in over 20 years, someone had actually taken a deep dive into the case and tried to find out the answers to what happened. And thanks to the extensive work done by the show, we have the information about this case that we do. The police met with the family for the first time after the release of the show to collect DNA samples from them and to talk to them about the case. But even so, there was still no progress on the case, and authorities remained silent about any progress made or any news on the case. Two years after the podcast was released, Oxygen released a two-part documentary about the disappearance of the Millbrook twins, and in that show, a wide range of theories surrounding this case were discussed. As part of that investigation, we were told that a man who was in prison at the time claimed that he had knowledge about the twins. He said that he saw them at their father, John Millbrook's house. In his statement, he said that there was a drug party at the house and he saw the girls at the party. Now, this could be a credible lead as it could be likely that he has no reason to lie, and his statement could corroborate other evidence that the twins were indeed in their father's house at that time. However, according to police, the story that the man told them wasn't related to the Millbrook twins at all, but they were unwilling to explain how they were able to come to that conclusion. In 2021, John Millbrook died, and police would not say if they ever spoke to him. The documentary also included information that the girls were seen possibly getting into a white van, similar to the one they said had been following them that day. But police also never confirmed that information either. In 2021, a new private investigator began working on the case. And in 2022, the reward for information was increased to $50,000, and there was a new billboard erected to solicit information. But almost 33 years later, the Millbrooks twins' disappearance remains unsolved. From the beginning, it's clear that police, by their own admission, botched this case. When the girls went missing, there were no resources dedicated to actually finding them. Like most young Black people, the assumption was that the girls just ran away. And it appears that they spent more time trying to prove themselves right than actually finding the girls. The Fall Line did an excellent job of investigating this case and uncovering things that had never been known. And they deserve a lot of the credit for us even knowing about this case. And so if this was your first time hearing the story, then I encourage you to listen to season one of The Fall Line. But sadly, despite all the work that has been put out there and all the time that has been spent to uncover the injustice that took place all those years ago, the Millbrook twins are still missing and their family still wants to know what happened and they don't want people to forget about them. 
This case is cold. But with a new PI on the case and continued attention, the hope is that someone will come forward or that the right evidence will be found and the family of Danette and Jeanette Milbrook will finally have answers. Danette and Jeanette Milbrook were last seen in Augusta, Georgia on March 18, 1990. They were 15 years old. If you have any information about this case, please contact the Richmond County, Georgia Sheriff's Office. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.